0: This is the Small Moves Podcast with your host, Jason Hertzberger. Episode 50. Episode 50. Is it too early to start talking about golden anniversaries? You're listening to the Small Moves Podcast.
1: Small steps for big progress. With your host, Jason Hertzberger. Your next step starts now.
0: Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Small Moves Podcast. Before I get into info about the show today, today is episode 50. Episode 50 is a big milestone for us podcasters, and I really just wanted to take a minute to say thank you so much for listening to the show so far. We launched back in September 2nd of last year 2017 and things are going strong so far ever everything is looking up from my perspective as the host of this show we're starting to get more downloads we're starting to get more feedback things are starting to go great i'm really excited with how things are going so far so i just really wanted to take a minute From my heart and really just say, thank you so much for listening to the show so far. Things are going strong. I'm hoping to keep things going in that direction. I'm really looking forward to the future of this show. That said, back to business. Today's guest is Seth Haynes. Seth is the author of the book, Break Into the Scene, and I got connected with Seth initially through a former guest on this show, Azul Torones, who is a book coach, uh, helped Seth through the process of getting that book out. Seth is really a fascinating guy. He's got an interesting background as a professionally trained musician who is not at all professionally trained in the world of online marketing, yet that is what he does for a living, full-time He's got a really interesting story about how he got the position where he is now at Sear Interactive up in the Philly area doing that work full time and also about how he sort of acquired the skills needed to be able to land that job in the first place while also being a professionally paid musician on the side, which is something that his book is about and something that his blog, uh, A Musician's Guide to Hustling, is all about as well i had a really great conversation with seth he was a really fascinating character and i really hope that you enjoyed this conversation i really did and without further ado i bring you for episode 50 (laughs) can't get over it sorry seth haynes here we go hey this is john lee dumas of eo fire and you're listening to the small Moves podcast small steps for big progress let's prepare to ignite Hey, Seth, thanks for coming on the show. Psyched to be here, man. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. Yeah, no problem. Now, the audience had a quick rundown about your background during the introduction that they just heard, as well as sort of how you and I fell into each other through our mutual friend Azul. But obviously, you know, you've got more of a background than I probably know at this stage. So why don't you just kind of give the audience a little bit of your background Tell us about what you do, what you've done, and you know, we'll just sort of go from there.
1: Sure. So my name is Seth Haynes. Psyched to be on the show. Um, so quick background of me. Uh, currently, I work for a digital marketing agency here in Philadelphia called Seer Interactive. I'm on the uh, PPC team. Which is like paid media team um, there. And then I also run a consulting business on the side where I do marketing consulting work. Um, I'm a professional musician by training. I went to school for classical music performance. I play the French horn, still play professionally and teach around the Philadelphia area. Um, I wrote a book a couple of years ago called break into the scene and I could go on for a while, but that's a quick general gist of kind of what I'm up to these days.
0: Gotcha. Are, Are you originally from the Philly area or did you move there from somewhere else? I moved here
1: from South Carolina, and I've been in Philadelphia for just shy of ten years.
0: Okay, Did, was it was it your professional musician work that brought you to Philly? Like it was, I saw something about the Philly harmonic, uh, Philharmonic, right? Uh,
1: yeah, well, so yeah, I went to so I went to music school at Temple University here in Philadelphia. Got it. And I came here pretty much exclusively to study with uh, members of the Philadelphia Orchestra. So that was the kind of catalyst for me moving from the Carolinas. I'm from outside of Charlotte area, so I've been uh in Philadelphia ever since.
0: Very cool. Now, the you've been before coming to Temple, were you playing were you playing professional or semi-professional music before even coming up to Philly to go to Temple or were Not you like, really were you mean I would in do high school
1: I would do some stuff in high school. I mean, I was like, you know, like a lot of high schoolers are that are serious about music. There was a lot of honor bands and youth orchestras and that kind of thing that I was a part of. So I was very active in uh, those kind of activities. And it wasn't really until I was in college, I started playing like actually legit professional gigs. Got it. Um, so been freelancing actively for coming up on 10 years, right around 10 year, right around the 10 year mark
0: okay now and due to the nature of the instrument the instrument do you play is that the only instrument that you play
1: it's the only instrument that i play well i'll say (laughs) i do i do like i do have a banjo that i practice on and play that's just more for fun for me than it is anything else sure um the only time i've ever played it in public was i played it at my sister's wedding uh (laughs) but other than that the 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 banjo is something i play on you know i can noodle around a ukulele and stuff but the french horn is the only thing i'm have any kind of like high proficiency with. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. I, I, I own, I own a ukulele myself. I've been promising myself that I was going to, that I've been wanting to learn to play it for, Oh, three years now it's been sitting upstairs. Sure. <laughs> so I'm still try still trying to figure that out. But, um, So the, the banjo is like you've, you've played that publicly in front of a friendly crowd, but not so much. (laughs) Yeah.
1: A friendly crowd. Yes.
0: (laughs) Though though you can, though you can argue a wedding crowd sometimes isn't the friendliest of crowds. (laughs) (laughs) Now you, you mentioned, you mentioned your book. The is that, that, that was, that was the first book that you ever published. Right. I assume. Correct. And, Correct. That's, and that's called breaking into the scene. What's yep. What's the What's the premise of that book? Like that. Who Who should Who should read that book? What's that? Who's that book for?
1: Sure. So basically, the premise of the book is that uh, musicians and really any creative type. You know, if you go to school for any kind of creative uh, craft um the 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 kind of big disconnect that i have and that pretty much everyone i know had and has Mm -hmm. is that you go to school for very very hyper specific kind of like skill set but they're not really teaching you very much in the way of how to actually turn that around and monetize it right so you learn so okay i can play the french horn really well like now great. what? You yeah, exactly. it was like great. Like, who now? cares? Yeah. and the answer is not very many people care. Yeah. Um, so you have to be. So the whole kind of a uh, point of the book was how people can get started building up their freelancing career. So okay. uh, I basically used my own experiences uh, as kind of the foundation of the book, and I have a I have a blog that I run called hustling dot com that uh, has a a pretty good following musicians. All over the world, classical musicians all over the world follow it, which is super cool, super humbling to hear from them. Um, so the whole kind of concept of the book is basically, for anyone out there that's heard that's familiar with like the Peter Thiel zero to one kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. the whole kind of idea of the book is how they can go from like nothing to something and then have the toolkit and skills they need to scale it up as much as they want to or can or however they want to utilize the information. But it's really meant to be kind of like a crash course on how to get started freelancing. Got it. So. Man.
0: So is it. I mean, is there a particular angle in the in the blog, and I guess the book for that matter as well. But is is there some leeway with regards to what the readers are looking to do? Like, is it, is it a book to how to become? Is it a book and a blog on how to become a professional paid musician, or is it something where, like you, you have a job doing, you know, doing? Online marketing work over here, mm-hmm. and then oh, by the way, you also can play freelance on the side. Like, the, sure. is your is the blog and the are is the blog and is the book angled more towards one speed <laughs> like one type versus the other, or can yeah. it be applied by anybody?
1: Sure. So, I would say it can be applied by anyone that's like already has the skill set. Um, the, the the book is not the book and the blog and I never ever talk about how to like get good at the French horn or whatever like that's okay. not really that's not something that I uh, honestly have that much interest in talking about there are thousands of people that are way more qualified than I am to talk about that sure um, so it's one of those things where like I don't think that that's where I have the most kind of like value to offer so I don't really personally focus on that area there are tons of people that do and do a bang-up job with it mm-hmm. um, so my my whole kind of perspective is how musicians that already have the skill set can get started monetizing and making making any money or making more money, depending on where they're at. Okay. Um, and it can be applied from people that are, you know, college students to people that have been playing for, you know, 20, 30 years that, you know, just want a, a different perspective on how to approach things. So uh, it has a really varying, wildly varying like kind of readership in terms of like the level of people um, and where they are in the world. I get emails from people all over the place it's super crazy to to get emails from people in you know continents i've never been to and countries and all these you know people that i don't even know how they initially found me i have no idea um but it's super humbling to to kind of know uh that the book and the blog and the material and the content i kind of put out there isn't just kind of sitting on a website somewhere not being read and engaged with. Uh, So that's a very like cool and humbling thing to know that people are using it. Actually, it's like having an impact on their lives, which is like super cool.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I know. Isn't it amazing where... I've noticed the same thing when I started the podcast, where just maybe a month to a month and a half after starting, I started to dig into sort of the statistics about who's who's listening and where they're listening from and whatever it is. And, you know, I came into podcasting without any sort of established audience. So when you started your blog for you, like, again, I don't know an enormous amount about your background. I don't know which came first, either your blog or the book. Um, blog first blog first okay so you so basically you came into releasing the book having already had somewhat of an audience through your blog yeah, absolutely. With, with me, I came in with nothing. I came into podcasting with my Facebook friends and my Twitter followers and that's it. Like I did not have a, an established blog, I didn't have previous podcasting experience. Yeah, so, totally. I was frankly a little terrified to look at the statistics. I'm like, "Oh my god, are people actually listening?" I didn't want to I didn't want to look. And, right. But then after about a month or so, I started looking and I was expecting for people that were listening i was expecting okay us canada maybe some of western europe just ones that would sort of touch similar podcast topics as mine sure japan was the number 2 country australia well, yeah. australia poland russia romania ukraine i was like who's listening to the, like south africa like i had countries yeah. all <laughs> over south america like the the african continent asia like i was like who are these people like I mean I in the audience I apologize this is a little bit of inside baseball but it really is amazing wow, when interesting. you start when you start putting out content cuz everybody says everybody says you know when you're when you publish stuff online rather than doing rather than quote unquote doing business in your local town like you writing your book and then publishing it at the local indie store. When you start publishing your business and doing it online, you truly have a global reach. And yeah, absolutely. That's a cute anecdote. When, when people say that it's like, Oh yeah, that's true. Ha ha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then it's like a month into an effective, nobody starting a podcast. I look at it and I'm getting downloaded from 17 different countries. I'm like, Oh my God. like, that yeah, is, it's a that,
1: super cool feeling. It
0: really is a super cool feeling. It's 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 surreal. It really is.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah,
0: it really is. Now, the for from the perspective of your book, how how far of a reach ha- do you have? Statistics on who's buying your book globally? Like, is that something? Are you exclusively I- on Amazon?
1: Is your book only started? Amazon I've completely self-published everything through um, Kindle public, Kindle and then create space which is the print the print the, version. print, the print versions uh, on Amazon do they get yes. do
0: they give you stats of who's buying what where you know it's you do get stats but it's not very
1: in-depth I think the the dashboards for those um, for both those platforms for Kindle direct publishing and create space leave <laughs> a lot to be desired in terms of uh, data, um, you can get kind of like general basic stuff. So I have a good idea of it. But for me, the one of the things that I that like I have in the book is I have like a so like a set of bonuses for people that are interested. And so then they sign up for my email list. Which so like I've got a decent size email list, it's not huge. It's a few thousand people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's uh, and that's that's where I really kind of get like the most engagement with the folks from is through the email is through my email list whenever I'm sending out articles and blogs and this, that, and the other thing. Um, that's really where I kind of start seeing it. But also, you know, then I, I've, I've like Google analytics and stuff, my site and everything. Sorry, and me too. Um, so, and like MailChimp, you know, there's, there's more, there's probably more data on MailChimp about like the users and everything than there is um like, excuse me, create space or Kindle. But yeah, I mean, it's, I don't even know actually, excuse me, how the full, numbers off the top of my head of how many copies I've sold. I mean, I know it's, 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 it's a good amount. It's not something crazy, but, sure. um, but it's, yeah, I'm not, I actually don't even know the specific numbers. I should probably look at it. Cause I shouldn't know <laughs> that, but, <laughs> but I get a check every month, which is great. So,
0: yeah, I mean, you're, you're, and you you've got a, you've got a solid number of reviews for the book on Amazon from, yeah. from when I checked. So obviously yeah, it's getting...
1: just shy of 50, I think is where it was when I most recently looked.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now is
1: also really interesting to read
0: reviews. (laughs) I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, I have not published a book. I'm, you know, I'm, I've been talking with Azul about possibly, right. Possibly doing one myself at some point, possibly this year or next, uh, but yeah, I've I've never written one, so I'm sure those reviews are going to be interesting. It's the same. It's similar similar to podcast reviews. Like you. Re, you oh yeah. <laughs> you read, you, I read the podcast reviews, and it's like, it's like you like, like you're you need to work on your voice, and this, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm like, this is exactly what I like to hear in the morning when I wake up.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, that's uh something something that I will say that I um like kind of learn. It was well, recent that was relatively recently. Is that I had one of the biggest things that I was really afraid of, and this is probably something that people that are listening or anyone has probably experienced. I was so afraid to start like publishing things and putting it out there because I was so worried about what like people I knew would say, or like how people would react to it, or if it would be negative or whatever it was. And I gotta say that I started my blog, and I think. 2015 spring of 2015 i want to say so coming up on three years and you know there's like negative comments and stuff you'll get here and there and stuff and i would and there's a couple things that that, like first of all that's a sign that people are actually reading it which is great like that's like (laughs) that's like if, if no one's commenting anything and no one's like engaging with it anyway then like whatever you're putting out is probably not that good and that's not like a negative thing just it needs to be worked on. It's not resonating with people. So, but it was, it wasn't until like a couple months ago, the end of last summer, I guess, uh, summer 2017, probably the fall that I got my first, like really, truly negative review. That wasn't just like a comment on just
0: like a trolling comment. Like it was a legit, yeah, yeah,
1: it was a legit, like, it was actually it's actually funny. If you go to my Amazon page, so if you go to break into the scene on Amazon, mm-hmm. uh there's like one one star review, and it's like and it's and it's like a very you you can tell it's someone that like knows me mm-hmm. or what and like and just like just really does not care for like my perspective or thoughts on stuff. And you know, it's funny because I was so scared of that happening when I first started, but here I am three years into it with a book that did really, really well whenever it launched. It still does well. I've, I've been out of, of launch. I've been able to build an audience. I've got like an online course. I've built like a consulting business around a lot of this um, These, this work. So it took me years to actually get like a truly negative thing. And it was just one review. So it's like interesting how that, like your relationship to um, like, other people's thoughts mm-hmm. is a, is kind of affected by by like this perceived thing of oh what if people do this and it's like if people are doing it that means they're reading it they're first reading. off <laughs> yeah. which is a good which is a good start you know sure, sure. so yeah it's a funny thing man because that was like it took forever to actually get a truly negative comment that was really like pointed and and I read it I was like that sucks. Like that, I don't like to read that obviously, but at this point it's like, who cares? Like there's so much other positive stuff that I hear from it that like, from just like kind of having the, the little bit of like kind of courage it takes to start like publishing your stuff out there. Um, you know, and it's like, I've gotten a a ton of positive feedback. Like I've got emails from people again, like all over the world that use the material and actually get results. And like, they get gigs, they get jobs, they get like, you know, they start making more money. They start growing their career. It's, and it's awesome to read. So it's funny that, like how you get worried about that negative thing when there's so much positive. It's a funny thing.
0: Yeah. I've, I've read, I've read some book reviews on Amazon, obviously. And what so one strategy that I've seen from some authors is they'll, they'll specifically the one star reviews, they will following the same thought process as you. They'll actually respond. Cause you know, you can respond to mm-hmm. negative comments on Amazon. Yeah, what, Thank God. That's one of the great things that I do like about Amazon. There are some forums out there where people can, make negative comments but you can't really respond well yeah yeah that's one of the great things i i will give yeah. amazon if you is that, choose to do it you can do it you can do it and one one great response one great thing that i've seen from you know some pot some other authors is they'll log on to look at the one star reviews and they'll just do a quick response to those one star reviews being being something along the lines of I really appreciate your feedback. I will keep it in mind for my future writings. Thank you very much for purchasing my book. It really means a lot to me. And that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all yep. they say It's like, cause at the that's end all you of, need to say. Yeah. If, it, if you want to say anything, you
1: don't have, honestly, I don't even bother. Don't fight it. Yeah. yeah. I don't even really read the reviews very much. Like, yeah. it's like, it's nice to read the, like, like, Oh wow. It feels <laughs> so good to read another five star review, but you know, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Just, like,
0: whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's definitely a kind of a, whatever thing. And, I think that's easier with time. Like the more you, the more you like get feedback, good or bad. And sometimes like super negative. It's like, yeah, uh,
0: sure. kind of Yeah, I mean, but, th- this is but, obvi- this is yeah. obviously a very seasoned response after having released the book a couple of years ago. I'm sure you know, in the month after reviewing the book, like after the f- first one or two months after releasing the book, you were probably after oh, review. Every every I, I was gonna say it's like you were probably oh, yeah. logging on and reading every single one, and if there was a bad one, you were legitimately crying, or you know, it just <laughs> you know, it's like this guy hates me, but you know. The guy, he might hate you, but he also bought your book. So just, yeah. Yeah. He
1: it can return if he wants to go for, it. I won't is, be, I won't be offended. That is
0: true. Um, <laughs> go now, to town. now you mentioned, you mentioned the consulting work that you do now. You, sure. I, I also know that you do online marketing related work. Is that, mm-hmm. do you do online marketing related co- independent consulting work for musicians or do you do sort of across the board, work with a musician that's saying, hey, I'm doing this, I'd like to do it for a living, help me, right. and then you just start from square one. Like, what do, you, yeah. what do you do for musicians?
1: So the consulting stuff used to be primarily for musicians. These days, it's not as much. Okay. Um, and the, the, the simple reason behind that is that, uh, I mean, the real answer is just that most musicians don't have money to invest in that kind of thing. And so that's why I don't really, I don't want to say I don't bother with it because I do have like musicians that I do work for uh, and that I I have had as clients that I currently do work for some folks. Like I've built several websites for people like the Philadelphia Orchestra, for example. Um, I've done work for a lot of different folks, a lot of different music organizations and things. But I've also done work for like, I've also been consulting with like a real estate company in Arizona who a friend of mine was working there. They needed help with some, like they needed help with some of their like Facebook advertising and knowing how to do it, how to approach it and how to kind of measure its success and all that, all that stuff. So, Mm -hmm. so it, it really varies quite a bit, but it did start out by doing primarily stuff for musicians, you know, like where it's like, you know, I'll do this for a couple hundred bucks or something like a one-off thing, sure. and like that was how I got started, and sure. and it's been you know and it's and it's and I did it full time for about just shy of two years. I, I've been doing it on the side in some capacity since probably 2013. Okay, so about five, five, six, five years now, something
0: like that. Gotcha. When did you start doing the the I guess nine to five, closer to nine to five type work that you're doing now? Where yeah. You were, yeah. When did you start doing that? Was that a fairly recent thing or no? It
1: was. Uh, so I've actually been, so the company is called Sear Interactive, it's a great company, great place to work. Um, I started working there in, I want to say 20, I'm sorry, uh, in the end of June. So it was about seven months at the time of this recording. So uh, I've been there for about seven months, give or take.
0: And really quick, what, what was, that? what's the name of the company again? Can you spell that?
1: It's called Seer Interactive, S E E R okay. Interactive.
0: All right, I'll I'll link to them in the show notes. Sure.
1: Yeah. So uh, so I've been there for about seven months, and the reason that I decided to kind of go that route is that I was I was a little bit bored working for myself and doing my own thing. Um, you know, <laughs> it's it's funny people be like, oh, you got you have this like flexibility. You can do this, you can do that, and it's like, yeah, it is like super nice it's super cool to like be able to work from home or wherever i am like i take the dog to the dog park at 11 a.m and it's mm-hmm. not a it doesn't matter you know it's like you know like having that flexibility is really great um so but the reason i kind of decided to start looking at other options was that i was just bored like it kind of it's just like it kind of gets lonely uh I felt like I wasn't getting better at anything like i felt like I was doing a lot of the same kind of projects that i wasn't uh, being pushed anymore, and that I was just kind of losing interest in the work I was doing. So I decided to um, go look for a job somewhere that I knew would push me and make me grow and force me to get better and improve and all that good stuff. So that was that was kind of the decision behind uh, working at like applying to work at Seer. So that's that's kind of how I how I went about that. So I actually fun funny story when I was initially applying I submitted a resume just kind of through like the the standard practice you know submit it online the mm-hmm. thing and wait till they get back to you a week later so I did that and I basically got rejected immediately I kind of like it you know, got completely <laughs> rejected almost immediately so I actually was Uh, looking at, I was looking at, and so the founder of of Sears, his name is Will Reynolds. He's a big speaker. He's a big name in kind of like the SEO space. He does a lot of like conferences all over the country and abroad. And so he's the founder of the company and he's super active on Twitter. So I started just kind of following him uh, and I I had been following him for a while. I knew of him. I, I was familiar with Sear. So I actually decided, I was like, all right, you know what? Screw the like regular application process, I'm just going to completely try to go around that. <laughs> so what I did is I actually put together, um, I did a ton of research on Sear and I looked for things like, what are things they could be doing better from outside research? Like, how can I like figure out what it is they could, you know, maybe be doing better and that where I could potentially be useful. Sure. So what I did is I put together uh, a video with some ideas and I put together like a, like a slide deck in Google, uh, like a Google Sheets or Google Slides, whatever S- it's called. Yeah. So, so I put together a slide deck. I recorded my computer. I recorded myself narrating this, like kind of running through these ideas. And then I built a website for them specifically <laughs> and I put that video on the front page of it. So it's actually, I used a, a platform called Strikingly which is like a really simple website builder uh, that does a, It's a really cool platform. It does. It makes it incredibly easy to uh, put up a website and you can do it for free if you use one of their URLs. So I made a, I made a website. It's still live. It's Seth at dot So I put together this website and I emailed it to the founder and I never got a response and so a couple days later I emailed to the president of the company and I didn't get a response again so I was like oh I'm I'm not gonna have done all that work to not even get a conversation going with them so what I did is I was like all right you know what screw email this guy's obviously really active on Twitter so I just decided to tweet at him so I literally put the site I just dropped it on a link and I said hey Will like here's some bunch of ideas of things you guys could be doing better uh, at Seer. If you're interested in talking more about this, uh, I'd love to kind of like share some of my thoughts and what I've, you know, what I kind of came up with while, while researching you guys. And I was sitting down with them uh, less than 20. That was at three o'clock on like a Thursday afternoon, I think. And I was sitting down with their H with their people team at like one of the members of the team at, like 11 a.m. the next morning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how that's how I initially got on the radar of Seer, and a couple months later, I started working there. Um, so that's uh that's how I went about getting the job at Seer.
0: That's awesome. Now, th- for for people for people that might not necessarily be super web design savvy. Like how, how, how easy is that system for?
1: It's unbelievably easy. Really? Anyone, anyone could build a site that looks really, really good in less than an hour. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating at all. Wow. Like if okay. you go to strikingly.com. Cause it's just templates, right? I mean, you just sure. kind of dump your content in,
0: Yeah.
1: um, pick but a co- pick a
0: color rainbow and all that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. And you can just set, they have like kind of set like color schemes and stuff. You can literally just, Open it up, say, here's a picture. Put your picture there. Like, I want to put a text box there. You put a text box there, you fill it in, your page is done. That's it. There's no, there's, I mean, obviously you could get more advanced with it if you wanted
0: to. Of course. But
1: there's no, but if you just need a simple, simple website, that's a great place to get started because you can upload them for free. Like, I have a friend um, who he runs a, I don't know if he's still doing it, but he was running a mastermind for a while. And, you know, it's a, not a cheap mastermind. It was, I think it was, it was probably a few hundred bucks a month per, like, per person. Mm. Um, and it was probably, like, I don't know, like, eight to 12 people maybe. I'm not sure. I think Azul was actually in this mastermind. Ah, so my okay. friend, um, so his name's Charlie Hone. So Charlie... Had his entire mastermind, like the sales page and the sign-up page and everything, was basically built on this website. It was just a free site he built. He didn't pay a dime to put this site up there, probably. Jeez. And he was running his mastermind, you know. And he's like, he's got a blog, he's got a website, he's got a platform. He's he's like got several books. He's you know he's he's got a lot of stuff going on. But he was able to launch this like this mastermind that was a pretty good source of income for him. I'm sure. I don't know the details of it, but just looking at it and knowing how many people were like, like in it and how much, how much it costs. It was like, it's pretty good. And he made it on a free website. Like that's how he, that's yeah, how that's he, not, really, bad, like,
0: not a, not a bad stuff. bang for buck. Yeah.
1: Uh, no, it's free. And he's, you know, probably made a good chunk of change doing it. It's Like great. And, uh, that was, um, and that's like another example of this, this site. I mean, cause I think one of the things that a lot of people, yeah, I know this is uh, I know the podcast is all about, it's like kind of ideas, small moves, right? So sure. like, this is something that I think a lot of people really overcomplicate is like how to just set up something really simple to just get started. Yeah. Um, like I think overcomplicating something, overcomplicating things and making it so much more difficult and. Uh, you know making all these like decisions that don't mean anything <laughs> like that's something that's really easy to do. I've done it myself I still do it myself with certain things um, but like one of the things that I always found that I was like that I was really good at is like executing on simple things like just getting like the small stuff right mm-hmm. and worrying about the bigger like the other stuff later. so like that's something that I always tried to do and so like whenever I applied at seer it was the same idea as like all right, obviously whatever I put on a resume was not resonating with their team. I don't have a degree in business or marketing or anything like anything relevant. I have a degree in music. I've been playing professionally for a while and I've been doing consulting work, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be a great fit for a large digital marketing agency that has, you know, very large clients and has been around for a while. Um, so like that, the resume obviously wasn't resonating. So it was like, okay, how can I get in front of these people and, um, you know, kind of go around that barrier. So that's, that's kind of how I thought about it, is just set up something super simple to just get started with. And it worked and I've been there for seven months now.
0: That's awesome. Now the, what, what I like most about that story, frankly, is it shows to don't, and that's something that I really want to make sure that hits the audience is Talking about making small moves to try and accomplish whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. One of the things that can be lumped into that is to not stop at the first rejection. Like if you, if if there's a job that you want, I mean, obviously myself, I'm fully self-employed. I have myself no interest whatsoever in going back the other Mm -hmm. direction. But sure. th- but that's me. I'm not. I, I'm. I'm not the type of person. I'm also not the type of self-employed person that sits there and whacks, you know, people with nine to five over the head with a sh- with a newspaper and says, yeah, "Yeah, what are you still doing there? You shouldn't be there. Go out and do your own thing." That's not necessarily the case for a lot of people. But sure. like I I like that story because it shows. I mean, you. It shows you didn't. You went around the initial rejection you did it in a very simple cheap and very simple very cheap and very direct way and you ended up getting the job by just going frankly going over the head of the people that said no because yeah, I'm, well, I'm sure i'm sure it was, it was probably tweet. just yeah it, it was probably one tweet that's all it was <laughs> yeah and like and it was, like, it was it was it was less than an hour developing a simple website and shooting a video and then a right. single tweet and then you were done yeah. it's like yeah. so and- An hour plus 140 characters got you – effectively got you a job.
1: Right. And just to be like super clear there, building the site itself takes about – took maybe an hour, hour and a half. But like I did really thorough research Research, on like what they could – where I could fit into their larger puzzle. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like being able to kind of understand your audience as a marketer is – it's the most fundamental thing, right? Is knowing like, okay, who wants this thing? Whether it's a podcast, a book, uh, an employee, a new employee, whatever it is, like mm-hmm. you have to understand who that is and be able to speak directly to them. So, just by understanding kind of like some of the really rudimentary fundamentals of marketing mm-hmm. and being able to uh, execute on it and apply it in the right way, that's all you need to get going. You that's know, the thing. It's, yeah. Yeah, and it's like it did not take me an hour to research. I spent a couple of days digging around old blog posts, his his Twitter feed, his his YouTube channel, mm-hmm. like everything I could find out about the company. Like I had pages and pages of notes, and then I distilled it down into a couple of ideas that I could articulate in a video in ten minutes. Yeah. That was like kinda and that's a long video. Ten minutes is a I was, long yeah, video. That,
0: that's a long video, sure.
1: Yeah. And he probably never even watched the whole thing all the way through. Um, to be honest, but it was probably like, okay, this guy like obviously cares enough to where he put all this time and effort in. Like it does not take 10 minutes to understand that I took a lot more effort than 95% of other people that apply there. It's definitely, it's one of those companies that they're like always on the, um, like the best places to work lists in Philly and San Diego where other offices, they get a ton of applications. And as a result, they reject a ton of people. And it's not like a personal thing. It's just, it's very competitive to work there. And so like, I knew that I'm not going to be able to cut through the crowd with the back, with a degree in music. And you know, no agency experience. So yeah, it,
0: it's, it's almost like, it's almost like the, 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 they, they probably have it set up on an algorithm. It's like, okay, that people want you to apply through the website. Cause it's just easier on them. It's like, okay, no degree in this scratch. And then move on like a huge, like there's a very good chance that a human didn't even look at the application. Or, it's a good
1: chance. I can well, ask him when I get to work on Monday, but yeah. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> like yo, people team.
0: Yeah. I would, I would actually be curious for, for a company that size that is that popular. I would be curious to see how, because there's a reason they push people to online submissions. It's because it makes it more simple and more standardized for, review and less bias and you know, this, that, and the sure. other. I wonder if part of that process is just simply all those things feed through some sort of a system
1: that, they, do, that surely does, they do.
0: That does an initial once one off filter. It's like no degree in one of these ten categories, scratch. And okay, then that distills it down by seventy percent. And then the humans is yeah, totally. the next batch. Yeah, uh, absolutely.
1: And, but again, like understanding kind of what the system is that you have to kind of work with or through or go around is Mm -hmm. like, that's really important for that kind of thing. So I mean, someone that wanted to, I don't know, get started with, uh, like if someone out there wanted to get started doing like some like independent consulting stuff on the side, Mm -hmm. if you just spend a little, it's, it's not that hard to get started and pick up your first like little project. So like if let's say you're, you know, like I'm a... I'm a marketer so it's like really easy there like that could, anyone could use help with marketing like if you can show them that what your your ideas and what you're able to do is like going to increase their bottom line and help them make more money in their business or whatever it is like that's not that difficult to do but anybody could get started with this if they just understand like okay what do I want to do what's the thing I want to actually uh, like get someone to pay me to do maybe it's like consulting or maybe it's training whatever it is it's music lessons mm-hmm. it can be anything you know it's like understanding like okay who is actually paying for this what are the things that they care about and how can I make this a no-brainer for them to hire me like what is the upside here True. sometimes it's more obvious than others but by just having that kind of like fundamental understanding of who you're trying to reach and what's the best way to communicate with them. Mm -hmm. That'll get you where that'll get you started. That's like the, the small move here is just like figuring out like, okay, who is the audience spend an afternoon walking around to like, you know, if you want to help local coffee shops and like do the chalk drawings on their boards, like go walk around the neighborhood, to all the coffee shops, (laughs) go buy a cup of coffee and talk to, and like just ask the people that work there some questions. and get to know a little bit and like, you'll be well on your way, you know? Um. So like, I I really think that's something that people really overcomplicate is this idea of like, oh, I want to I want to start a a business or write a book or a podcast or blog or whatever it is. And they focus on all of these details and things that just don't matter yet. Yeah. And I like your point
0: uh, about pointing out saying yet because eventually they will matter. Eventually if you if you have an audience, if you do have a, lo- a more thriving business, your clients will eventually start to expect a certain quality in your website, a certain quality in your print material, a certain quality. Like, but sure, when, when you're first, when you're first starting out, like that's what that's what I've, you know, I have a conversation with people a lot where we talk about this similar topic. And the point is like the 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 question being, especially if you want to be a consultant of some sort or an hired gun of some sort, yeah. you know, it's like everybody has, including myself, everybody has their own little inferiority complex. It's like, well, it's yeah. almost the, like pre, pre-apostor syndrome, you're like pre-impostor syndrome. Like you're not being successful and then you're having regrets. It's like, oh, my God, who the hell am I? But before you even do anything, you're having those comments oh my God, who the hell am I? Who would would hire me as an expert? But you got to remember that if you have any level of experience in anything, you know more than somebody out there yeah there's, yeah, there's somebody out there dumber than you are when it comes to online, <laughs> right. when it comes to online marketing. You know, the you don't have to you you could have gone on Udemy or Great Courses Plus or something like that mm-hmm. and taken an online course about Facebook advertising that was a cumulative total of 45 minutes of instruction. And you know a hell of a lot more about Facebook advertising than I do. Like I would, you know, I'd pay you a hundred bucks an hour to teach me about Facebook marketing. Meanwhile, you just spent 45 minutes and $20 learning about what it is. And you're making a hundred bucks an hour teaching people that same thing. And like, it doesn't take much to be a relatively decent consultant. If you've got, if you can retain information and you know how to teach. I think that's one of the big things. What I've noticed of good quote unquote consultants is they're, they're teachers, they're good, they're coaches and they're teachers. Yeah. And there is a difference sure. between coaching and teaching, but they, they know how to convey information to their right. audience. I'm sure that was probably yeah. the basis of. The basis of your book is like you, you, you were allowed. You're allowed to write the book that you wrote because these are your people. You are it's like you are one of them. He's like you can you can speak the language of I was a performing artist with no business experience whatsoever. Yeah, I, I needed to learn this business experience so that I could you know eat. Yeah, and you what know, an idea! <laughs> yeah, God, like imagine that rather than you know just succumbing to the stereotypical starving artist thing. So actually, let's 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 go back to that. I'm I'm curious about that process of the book. What I mean, write, writing the book was obviously more than just. A conveyance of stuff that you kind of figured out on your own like sure w- what did what did writing that book do for for you i mean put put the, all the finance fu- you know the financial benefits aside like because you know the, and they also say about writing a book you like you're not going to get rich writing a book um for people that say that they've never met stephen king but anyway um <laughs> the the what what was it about writing that book that sort of changed you? Like is there can you point to anything?
1: Uh yeah. So I mean I think one of the things that I it was one of those things I, I, I've been thinking about this topic for years because I was the person that graduated from music school. I had student loans, I had very I'm from South Carolina I never I didn't grow up around here I didn't know people I starting from like total zero nothing I didn't know anybody I had never like originally I had never even done a gig I never no one ever paid me to play you know 10 years ago whatever it was 11 12 whatever it was and so for me you know I always I thought about this topic for years because I struggled with it myself and. I eventually figured it out. I mean, I worked with, I took online courses. I worked with, uh, I worked with like coaches on things. Like I worked as a business coach. I've worked, I've, you know, I've worked to develop these skills and then apply them in the music space. So like for me, I, it was just something that I just wanted to kind of like share because it's like, it's a community that I um, like am intimately involved in. I'm a part of it. And like, I know that people struggle with it. So that was kind of for me what the book was really kind of about. I mean, obviously, it's nice to get like a check from Amazon and like get these like consulting clients and stuff. Like, obviously, that's great. Sure. Um, you know, and I'm, I, you know, I have a great job now. I've got stuff on the side. I still get to play. I have all this stuff going on, which is I'm super fortunate to have. But you know, at the end of the day, it was really, it was really more just about like how to kind of help other people get where they wanted to go. Cause the reality is some people have no interest in being freelance musicians. There are people out there that play the hell out of a cello but they just don't care yeah. about freelancing. They want to play in an orchestra, they want to do this, that or the other thing, they just want to teach, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, but so like I wanted to write a book that was gonna give people the tools and resources they needed so that they could actually kind of use them to the extent they wanted to. So like if you're, let's say you're a band director that works in like the suburbs of a city mm-hmm. and you, you play the violin, you don't get to play a lot at, anymore, but like you want to just pick a few gigs on the side. Like you can use this book to do it, but if you're someone serious and like wants to really go at it hard, you can use these, you can use the same processes to process these processes, whatever to <laughs> get, to get yourself going, get more gigs and start compounding it and growing a career. So I just wanted to share that with folks because I knew it was something that people needed to learn about. Um, and not that they like needed to learn about, but they wanted to learn about, I know there was a demand for it. I started my blog initially to like test ideas around this because the whole point originally was like, I'm going to create an online course. Like, great. And I did that eventually. And I launched it a couple of times and it did, did well both times. Um, but like it was, it was more about like sharing something that I wanted to communicate with the people that like. You know, like my friends that struggle to like get like any kind of work as musicians. Like, mm-hmm. I I I, figu- I kind of figured it out, mm-hmm. and I wanted to share that with other people so they could do the same if they if they were so interested in doing so. Sure,
0: yeah, and the, and that's that's a great that's a great perspective because you know the everybody knows the stereotypes of the starving artist. Like that that's right. That, that's not a that's not a twentieth century or twenty first century phenomenon. Like the, this is this is going back millennia. It's like the, the people that choose to make a living or not. You know, be being a professional artist in an artist, obviously, you know, for people that are listening, obviously art spans the spectrum. Like in your case, in your case, it's music. Then there's also, you know. Art, painting, sculpture—you know, whatever it might be. Perform- Others, other forms of performance art, dance. Whatever. Totally, yeah. The um, I, interview, I interviewed, I interviewed a a woman back in that I released back in December named Joe Hoffberg. She is a full-time professional, tra- international traveling Lindy Hop dance instructor. Okay, and she like we we she talked a lot about the sort of the business processes that that she uses. Where it is, it's it there's there is obviously her art, the part of it that she loves is the art, but it is a legitimate business. Like there it needs to be managed a certain way in order for you to transition from just simply a dance, like in her case, a dancer. In your case, you know, someone playing the French horn, the, right? Re, there's sitting around playing with your friends or in her case, dancing with her friends or, you know, trying and trying and trying and trying and trying to get a professional gig as part of an orchestra, which is not easy, which is not easy. Like you talk to people that graduate from these art schools that have a degree in music like you, that play, that play the cello, that play the French horn, that play the violin. Mm -hmm. There's only so many orchestras out there. And when you, when you, (laughs) when you divide that, divide those orchestras up by the thousands and thousands of graduates every year that are coming out with, you know, a degree in music, playing these things, not everybody's going to nab one of those gigs. Nope. (laughs)
1: Not even close. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So do you want, what I like, what I like about your book is it gives those artists the option of rather than saying okay i'm going to get a job with the baltimore symphony orchestra mm-hmm. or i'm going to end up having to serve coffee for the rest of my life yeah that's not true there are other options there are other things that you can do Absolutely. with your professional music career and that's what i love about that's what i love about the concept of your book is it 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 gives artists a, it gives artists permission to do more than just either their music or something incredibly menial. Like they can, you can make a living as an artist. It might not necessarily be for the Philadelphia orchestra, but you, but you can make a living as an artist. Yeah.
1: There, there are ways it's not always a super black and white cut and clear thing, but it's it's possible. Like it's it's totally within the realm of possibility. It's a lot of work. Yep. um, And it's not always like, fun work to do, but it's possible. And, and I know, I know tons of people that do it. Uh, I know tons of people that say they want to do it and don't do it. You know, it's like, I, I know people on every end of the spectrum with that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, that's kind of the, that was kind of the whole goal, man, was just like equip people with the things they needed to know how to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and they could, they can use it however they want. Um, and some people have used it and gotten amazing results. Like I get emails from people that say like, I just made several thousand dollars using the, like from one email, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like I have, I give people email scripts, like here's an exact script you can use to reach out to people and people use this script and have made. I, I would love to know the number of how much like money people have generated using that email script. I mean, it's gotta be tens of thousands of dollars at this point, because I know people all over the world are using this, like these scripts and this strategies and all this stuff and getting results, which is awesome. That's so cool to hear when do I hear from folks. It's like the best thing ever.
0: Now for, for people that, for people that are listening that do ha- that are, let's call it musically inclined. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's like, I, I, I'm, I am musical in that I like listening to the music. I am not at all musically inclined. I cannot. Gen- right. I cannot generate music to save my life,
1: in You're any right. in any way, shape, <laughs> or form.
0: But people that yeah, yeah. for people that are you know, obviously I don't want to dissuade them from buying the book. Everyone, please buy the book. But <laughs> do it. <laughs> yes, do it, please. Uh, but that said, you know, for for people that want to. That have some sort of musical experience, but are doing something else for a living, but maybe I right. want to give it a shot. Kind of let's, let's circle back to the whole concept of this, this podcast is what, what are a couple of, you know, one or two things that you think people can do initially just to kind of start exploring that road, whether it be actually nabbing gigs or are, are there steps before that happens that you recommend sure. people do just to kind of figure out if it is something that they can do or not.
1: Definitely. So there's, there's two things I would like to kind of call out here. Um, one is that if you were, if you're someone that maybe you play the piano and you enjoy playing the piano, maybe you play, you know, when family comes over on the holidays, whatever, whatever it is, right. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or, you know, you play you played the saxophone in high school, whatever it is. hmm. The the thing that you could do, and this is something I I talk about this in the book. I use I use the um I got the I I borrowed a I borrowed a like a Have you ever heard of Ramit Seti? You, you if anyone's ever heard of his stuff. So he has this concept that he calls like fishing holes, where it's like where can you go to get. a a lot of the information you need in one place. So you're not going around all these like spending hours researching stuff when you could find everything you need to know in like one or two places. Like one Facebook
0: group or two or something. Yeah.
1: Or, or so if I, in the example of like, like orchestras, for example, if you look at something like pretty much every city has like a, an arts alliance, a cultural alliance, Mm -hmm. uh, something like that, where all the arts organizations for, in this case are you know but you could use the insert small businesses, restaurants, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. They all have these things. Like go figure out what are the opportunities around your area. And like, you know, if you just want to like play, they're probably like community choirs that could use a, an accompaniment, or there's probably community bands and orchestras and things around the area that you could go start doing and starting meeting people and getting better and having an opportunity to play. But but well, the other thing I wanted to kind of like point out is that the strategies and stuff that I outline in the book could they apply to anything. Like if you wanted to go get started freelancing as a I don't know as, as a copywriter. Like let's say you know how to write really well or you're or you want to like blog for you know there's a local couple of local businesses that have blogs and you know something about writing or editing or whatever mm. it is or design or anything there's a million things the the principles in the book about like figuring out okay who are the people that are actually hiring this kind of skill insert whatever it is in there and you know maybe you're an interior decorator great like who are the people that are hiring for those things and then go out there and be proactive about starting to meet people and understanding like who they are, what are the problems they have in their life, their business, their you know relationships, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and figure out like okay, go start actually talking to people and just and if you're proactive and raise your hand and say like hey like I I saw that you uh, that you might be needing X Y Z like I don't know content writing on your on your blog or you need help editing it or designing it whatever it is like mm-hmm. you know I'm a local designer and I'd love to help and by just taking that kind of small step of identifying say three people in your area that you could potentially do some work for Mm -hmm. and just going and introducing yourself and not like hard selling them or anything just saying like, Hey, hey, like I'm here. If you ever need someone like I'm around, I'm a local person. I can come by and help out. Um, You know, if it's something that you think will be valuable or useful to you, your business, your whatever it is, Mm -hmm. like I'd love to, I'd love to help out. Yeah. I'd love to talk about that. And, that's how you can get started doing this stuff. It's really not as complicated as it sounds. And obviously, like, I've been doing it for a while, so, like, I kind of understand the process. But if you really strip away all the other stuff that doesn't really matter, again, yet, you can get started on this stuff and actually start, you know, making money on the side doing these things, whether that's, like, like, I bet right now, Jason, if someone came to you and was like hey i know how to help podcasters grow their audience through you know xyz thing would you like would you be interested if i showed you how to like you know advertise on Facebook or Instagram or like strategy yeah. you could use. Like like that's the kind of thing, you know, where it's like, or like if someone, cause like I've kicked around the idea of doing like a mini pot, like a season of a podcast before. And the thing that the, why I've never ever even started to pull the trigger on it is cause a, I'm not sure I'm ready to commit to it, but also sure. I don't know how to like edit. I don't know how to do that. I don't have <laughs> any stuff. Like I don't know how to do all those things. If yeah. someone came to me right now, if there was a reader that was on my like email list or something and they were like, Hey, this blog post you just read, or you just wrote, this will make a great podcast interview. Would you want to, would you be interested in actually, um, and like if I edited this for you, like would you be interested in like setting it up into like two or three episodes or something, and like I can show you how to launch it on a podcast? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I would absolutely call that person back. Sure. I might not pull the trigger You might not necessarily do it, but. However, if they like are someone that A follows me already, like they're already using my stuff and like I already have like a little bit of a relationship with them sure. in some way, even if it's just like they're a subscriber on my email list. Sure. But if they reach out and were like, hey, like I could help you with XYZ thing if you need it. If it was something that was actually a good pitch, mm-hmm. I, you better believe I would I would hire them to help me out with that kind of thing. Sure. I mean, I've gotten clients that way where I would like literally read a friend of mine, he was launching his book what two years ago now a year and a half ago or something and mm-hmm. i saw he email i had never met him at the time i never actually met him i just followed along i liked his i liked his writing and i just followed along mm-hmm. and you know he's a he's a young guy he's my age he's we're kind of like in like similar circles of people we know a lot of the mutual we have a lot of mutual connections and things but we never met and i saw him announce on his email list like oh i'm gonna be publishing a book and i just reached out to him and i was like hey man if you ever want to talk about like book marketing um i just finished marketing my book recently. It did really well. I'd love to like spitball some ideas or something. If you'd be interested, Uh, I'd be happy to chat about it. Not like, Hey, hire me. And we started talking, we started emailing and I ended up doing some work for him. He, uh, you know, I made a good little chunk of money to kind of help him get his launch set up and do some outreach to podcasters and like get him on, get him on a little wider platform. And it worked really well. And that was just an email. Like I literally just yes. responded to an email because I was interested in what he was doing. We had a relation. We had some kind of relationship. And what I emailed him about was valuable and relevant to him. To him. Yes. Sure. And so. That's a huge that, that, point. Yeah. That's all it took is just emailing him and reaching out to him and just saying like, hey, here's something that I think is actually valuable to you. If you'd be interested, I'd love to talk about it.
0: And. I got a gig out of it. I got and he's like And then stop talking. I was trying to. Yeah. It's like, he's like, and, and unlike a lot of people that are marketing their products, it's like you, you make that offer and then stop talking. Right. For a minute. It's like, and just give them a second to respond. It's like on their, on their own time. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's great advice. It's, um, it's
1: so simple. It's, it's really not as complicated as, as it kind of seems to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, for a sm- for the small moves crew out there, like that was a gr- that's a great place to start if you're not sure how to like approach, you know, that that blog or that business idea, that that freelancing consulting idea, whatever it is, like yeah. this using this kind of strategy is a great. It's not even a strategy; it's just like something you could do. Like figure out how to do it strategically, mm-hmm. but just figure out what it is you have to offer and go reach out to people that could potentially be like hiring you and using that service that it'll be valuable to you'll be if you do that to three people over every single week set down on saturday morning and while you have your coffee you just like look up three people you know while the kids are asleep or they're at school or whatever it is or you know while you're at a coffee shop sure Sit down and and just reach out to people and come up with ideas. You know the James Altucher ten ideas a day thing. That's for those a great that exercise. That. That's
0: a great exercise. I started doing that it a is. while ago. There's so few people that I've talked to that have actually heard about that and that do that. That's it's great. So amazing. It really. Is. It's
1: great. Yeah. Yeah. I I was really good about it for a while. I haven't been doing it lately the last few months, but. It's, it's great. I mean, a lot of the best ideas for my marketing book and like marketing my book and like some of these other like, for, like little freelance ideas I've done and like how I built my online course, a lot of that stuff came from just thinking about it every day, like really deliberately just sitting down and saying like, how could I do X? Mm-hmm. And just coming up with ideas. Most yeah. of the ideas are terrible. They're terrible, awful. Sure. They're dog shit. They're so yeah. bad. <laughs> but if there's one good idea in there, It's worth it. You know, it's worth executing on. Um, And, you know, you might think it's a good idea and go do it. And it's a total flop. That's okay, too. It's okay. You know, (laughs) like it's like, who cares? You you took a swing and you missed. Great. Go to another one, you know? Yep.
0: Yep. The the greatest baseball players, the greatest baseball players in the world fail 70% of the time.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, because if you sit down on like a, let's say Saturday morning or Tuesday afternoon or while you're commuting to work, if you're like riding a, a subway or a train or whatever, mm-hmm. or even while you're driving, like I record voice memos to myself while I'm driving if I'm thinking about something, mm-hmm. I literally just re- start recording a voicemail and I'll just start talking. You know, it's and it's not. I'll never like it's not for anyone to use, for, but for me, it's, it's for, for me you, to just yeah. refer back to it. But like think about think about it this way: if you sat down and looked at, let's say you reached out to you know, three people every week. Mm -hmm. So three people, that's it. That's over 150 people over the course of a year. year,
0: Yeah.
1: And if I, if you're doing it like in like a, a very methodical, like thoughtful way, Mm -hmm. three people, like it would take you an hour maybe or whatever to like sit down and do some research, identify what are the things they need help with and how you could find a way to contribute to that. Mm -hmm. If, If you did that three times every single week, it's fifty-two weeks in a year. Yeah. That's one hundred fifty-six people, or whatever it is. Yeah, like Let,
0: let's say you've got—if you've done your research well, let's say you get a five percent buy-in. You know right. that—that's seven. That's seven new consulting clients or gigs or whatever it is every yeah, yeah. year. I mean, if you're making anything decent, you know, with regards to an hourly rate, that's a pretty solid way to start building a business. It's like it's yeah,
1: a, I mean. Yeah. I mean, I know people like, like, you know, just, I know I, we're, we're right at time here. I know, but yep. like, I know people that do this, uh, that do this kind of, they like, they have these really valuable skill sets. are like, Oh, I could do that. I'd like to do this because I'm saving for a wedding or a house or I'm paying off like, you know, credit card debt, whatever it yeah, is, credit you know, card whatever,
0: debt, student loan debt, whatever, yeah.
1: whatever, whatever it is, you could, you know, if you started like just methodically approaching it this way. Mm-hmm you would be in great shape of like building up a little side income. Like I have clients right now on the side that I've been doing work for, some of them for several years. And like, I don't even have to try anymore to like, to get that income. Like I just do the work so I have the relationship. Like it's on, you know, like it's not, I won't say it's on like cruise control because that that implies that it's being lazy, but like, sure. no. I don't have to do anything to get that work coming to me. Mm-hmm. And at this point, if you know enough people, like once you start doing and you start building relationships with folks, there are people that will refer you to things like you don't even have to try anymore to get like, you know, clients or consulting things. Like, I I get more than enough that I can handle mm-hmm. um, by just having a, a, some really solid relationships with folks out there. And that happened by just showing up, persisting for a long time and, you know, taking those small wins as we go. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the first client I ever got hired for, I was doing a ton of work for them. And it was a friend of mine referred me to them. It was a nonprofit organization in town. He was leaving the job and he was like, Hey, would you be interested in doing this? It's a market, you do some marketing stuff for them. And, um, you know, it's a small organization, but it'll work out. I think I charged them like 300 bucks a month or 400 bucks a month or something, you know, which now is like, like, Hey, I'll take 400 bucks a month, but like it was, I was doing a lot of work and it wasn't that I wasn't making a lot on it, but like 300 bucks a month, like, that's $3,600 a year yeah, that I didn't that's have car, otherwise.
0: That's a car payment. That's a student yeah. loan payment. That's a, uh, yeah, which, yeah.
1: Is, which is awesome. You know? And so like, that's how I would think about it. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's easy to look at these big ideas and like think like, Oh, it's so intimidating like start a business or whatever it is, but yeah. just really break it down to like the nuts and bolts of like, how do I take my like experience, my, you know, my perspective, my skill set, and how do I monetize it? How do I find people that will pay me for it to get started? Like your first gig, you might make 50 bucks on, but hey, that's 50 bucks you didn't have. And now you've got like a validated product or idea or service or whatever it is. And you're off to the races?
0: Yeah. No, that's great. Um, Seth, I know I think that's a pretty solid place to wrap up. I know we're right up on time. You gotta get it somewhere. I just have one last quick question for you. Yeah uh, that sure. I ask all the guests on the show uh, before we wrap. And that's getting back to the concept of the show being, you know, the small incremental things that people can do that make the biggest difference. What right. what purchase have you made in recent memory of hundred dollars or less? that's had the biggest impact on some area of your life. Um besides the strikingly.com website which sounds like a one hell of <laughs> a winner for me, but besides besides that one because we've already covered that. Like what would sure. you can you think of anything that's that you've either bought or a service that you've paid for recently that's a smaller ticket thing that's made a big difference for you?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of things I can think of. Okay. Um so like one thing that I recently started doing is uh, I started working with a personal trainer, and so like that's obviously not like some super cheap thing, but like one session with it was like sixty five bucks an hour, mm-hmm. um, which was like money money very well spent in my in my mind. You know, it's something that like I was I have not prioritized like actively prioritized health for a little while. Mm. Um, like I play in soccer leagues and things, which is which is also a great investment. Um but like just kind of like really being deliberate and focusing on um uh, like kind of like making like health a better bigger part of my life has been a has been a big thing for me. Um I actually have this little like massage ball that I that I learned from this is like a Tim Ferris kind of question. It's like a little massage that's ball. A little
0: hard nut nut. Yeah, hard.
1: and like and that that's been amazing to have. It's been so it's been such a useful uh like you know, it's been such a useful little thing. It was like six bucks. And it was like, it, it, it was, it was really, really valuable to, to just have that on hand. Like whenever I'm like sore from doing something or, you know, whether it's like you go, you know, like if you go like bowling and your forearm is sore, whatever mm-hmm. the next day or just you
0: roll it out. Yeah.
1: Whatever it is like, you know, it's like, it's like six bucks of that little ball, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and like, that was a great purchase. There's actually a book I'm trying to find. I'm actually trying to find the name of it here. It's, um, it's a book about, God, I got I gotta find it. I'm, I'm like trying to scroll through my Amazon history looking for it, sure. but it's, um, but there's a book, it's like, it's not all, it's about them, not about you or something like that. And it's just this, it was written by a guy who I think he was in like the CIA or the FBI or something. <laughs> and he wrote this book, I'm trying to find it, but he wrote this book and it's just this really small, simple, little, um, kind of pamphlet book it's uh i'll find it and i'll send you a link you can put in the show notes but that it's, sounds called, great. Like, it's called like it's not about you it's not about me it's about them or something like that it's an excellent book i'll ch- i'm, I'm totally i should have like had it up so i could like actually properly give the name no problem. but i'll find it you could post in the show notes
0: <laughs> that sounds great that sounds great yeah seth i really appreciate you coming on the show this has really been great
1: yeah well, i appreciate having me on here jason it's been uh, a lot of fun yeah man take it easy
0: Hey, guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the show. I really enjoyed that conversation with Seth. I really hope you did as well. And again, I'm going to say thank you so much for listening to the Small Moves podcast. We made it all the way to episode 50. That's a big milestone for me. I'm really excited that we got here and that you guys have been along for the ride. Thank you so much for coming along with me on this. Before you go, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and go over to the community Facebook page at smallmoves.co forward slash Community, and then go ahead and leave a comment. Let me know what you thought about this show and about how the show is doing in general. And also, if you wouldn't mind going over to iTunes or in your Apple Podcasts app if you have an iPhone and leaving me a review on the show. That really helps me to find new listeners to listen to the show as well. iTunes really uses that as a barometer to put the show in front of other people. So those reviews are really helpful. I read every single one that comes in. I really appreciate the feedback that I get there. So go ahead and leave me a review if you wouldn't mind. Again, thank you so much for sticking with me through this crazy ride that's been the launching of the Small Moves Podcast last September all the way to now to episode 50. I'm really looking forward to the next 50 and hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands, of episodes to come. Thanks again for listening to the show. I'm really excited that you're here. I appreciate you so much. You've got this.